headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, broadcasting from the Pods Moving and Storage Studios. It's the Ramsey Show, where we help people build wealth, do work that they love, and create actual amazing relationships. George Camel, Ramsey personality, host of the uh, extremely popular new George Camel YouTube show, and uh, also the podcast called, well, at least he's a co-host of it, called a smart money happy hour and you can check both of them out he and rachel cruz do that one together phone number here as we talk to you about your life and your money is 888-825-5225 josh starts off this hour in idaho falls idaho hey josh how are you doing great how are you doing dave better than i deserve what's up so a question for you my wife and i have a household income of just over hundred thousand, and we're completely through baby steps one through three and I'm wondering how, with the current house market, we don't have a home, are saving up for a home, how do baby steps four and five change for us? Why would they change? Well, we are just saving up for a home and working towards that down payment. We're almost ready for the down payment. Okay. Have you ever ta- heard us talk about the thing we call baby step 3B? I have heard a little bit, yes. Okay. That's what you're talking about, I think. Okay. So you finish your emergency fund at three. That is the point at which you would begin to save for your home. And some people push pause and don't do four and don't start saving for retirement until they build their fully, until they get their house down payment. Some people save for a house while they're putting something in retirement up to 15% for baby step four. So you can do either one or both somewhere in there. So how long is this going to take to save up your down payment? Uh, we're, specific thinking, goal? So we're, we're thinking mid next year, we're going to have uh, a little bit larger down payment than is required. And we're doing 8% of our household income into Roths right now. Okay. And so while doing 8%, you'll still have that down payment by mid next year. Yeah, we're putting away 8% into the Roths and about 40% of savings just goes away into CDs until we're ready for a down payment. That's fabulous, Josh. Well done. Yeah, that's what we would call baby step 3B. So 3B okay. is all of your savings goes into um, into your house down payment fund up or down to a little bit less, a little bit less, a little bit less than all because you're putting some or up to 15% into retirement. So you're putting eight into retirement and you're still going to make your down payment goals. Doesn't change a thing. It's exactly what I would do. Have at it. Okay. And then would you hold off at all until interest rates come down nope. or just when we get that down payment ready? No, nope. buy a house when you're ready. Okay. Because here's the thing. If interest rates come down after you buy the house, refinance. Okay. House prices aren't coming down. We've not seen substantial drops in house prices ever in the real estate market except during the 2008 debacle. And we're not going to see them now. We've told you this for two years because we've still got a shortage of housing. There's not enough inventory. Too many buyers chasing too few items causes price to maintain stability or go up. So house prices are going to be going up, and I wouldn't sit around and watch the house prices go up while I'm waiting on interest rates to go down. Bad plan. I don't time the stock market or the real estate market. Exactly. Both, both involve some risk. And here's the, the, the only time I would time the real estate market is if I can't find a deal when I'm buying investment property. And then wait. Because the market's like white hot and there is no deals. I am just don't buy unless I get a good good deal. Period. I do not buy investment property unless I steal it. Period. I want to get a great buy on investment property. Your money's made at the buy on that. But as far as your personal residence goes, buy when you're ready, which is when you're debt-free, 
have your emergency fund in place and have saved your down payment. Yeah. And I get interest rates have got people freaked out because, you know, it's hundreds of dollars more in your payment. And they're going, well, I need to wait. The problem, like you're saying, Dave, is those same people are going to call us and say, Dave, I waited and now the home price is 100000 more than it was. Well, and there's no guarantee interest rates come down. I mean, we just up. saw the, the Fed but just... What if you sat around and waited and they went to 10? Yeah, they just raised the rates again. So we just don't know. In 1978, September, I got my real estate license. I was 18. That was the year interest rates went from nine and three quarters to 10% for the very first time ever. And if it did it then, and then it went on up to 18 before it came back down, and it took it a decade to do that reversal to go on up and then back down. Uh, if it did it then, why can't it do it now? I mean, I don't know. These, these bozos continue to screw with this. They're, they're going to mess it up. I mean, so I wouldn't be sitting around waiting on the outside environment to get you ready. You get ready, strike while the iron's hot. Jocelyn is, and get a good real estate agent to help you make good, clear decisions. Jocelyn is with us in Miami. Hey, Jocelyn, how are you? Hey, so good. So nice to be able to talk to you guys. You too. What's up? So I have a family quinceanera trip coming up next June. A a family what? Uh, um, like a think of a sweet 16 quinceanera. quinceanera. Oh, okay. okay. My, Spa- and, my Spanish um, is limited to my hillbilly. So, <laughs> okay. I got so, you. Sweet 16. Um, yes. Think of a sweet 16. Um, it's, it's on a cruise and, um, I'm currently on baby step too. I have 60 K in debt and we've been working on, you know, paying it down as quickly as possible, but, um, this trip is coming up and everyone's kind of reserving it. And I don't know how to who go is, who's, t- who's turning 16? My niece, my first niece. Oh, and you're supposed to yeah, go on a so, cruise because she's turning 16. Yes. It's a tradition. It's yeah, every I guess. Daughter. It's a great <laughs> tradition. I love it. For it is, rich people. It is, honestly. That's stuff rich people ought to do right there. Yeah. Not broke people. It wasn't a tradition in my house growing up. We didn't have that kind of money. Mm-hmm. I never saw the ocean till I was 15. Yeah. So how much is this cruise going to cost? Um, it's going to be around, it would be around probably 8,000. Oh it my goodness. Cheaper, but <laughs> Where are y'all going around the world well, and back? What I didn't, I didn't choose this cruise. Okay. I'm just trying to, you know, see how to go best. What's the best way to go about it? Because I understand it's expensive, and yeah, I understand no, I'm just, trying uh, to it, pay off are you, debt. But you're not going to be out of debt by then. Exactly. Yeah. That, that, what do you make a year? 90000 Okay. And how much debt have you got, hon? 60 And how old are you? 30 Okay. Well, you're, you're, you're a big girl. You get to make your own decisions. You don't have to do what Dave and George say. You can yeah. do whatever you want to do, right? I can tell you what mm-hmm. Dave and Sharon Ramsey would have done if we were in your situation. We would have wished okay. our niece good luck and have a great time. We're not going to be able to join you because we're broke people. That's what we would have yeah. told them. But you're not going to okay. do that. You're not going to do that. I can tell by talking to you already. You're going on the cruise. You, have, you There's no way you could tell these people no. You, you don't have it within your being. You can't you can't just smile and say no. Nope. Eight thousand dollars for a sixteen year old. Lord Jesus, buy her a car. And when you don't have the money, it's gonna compound the debt problem. 
You're gonna have to put her on a credit card. Could have bought her a really nice car. But I mean, and she's gonna go in debt for her student loans for her vac- for when she goes <sighs> to school when she turns 18, right? I'm gonna just I'm gonna have a small calf here. This is the Ramsey Show. Hey guys, it's Rachel Cruz here to tell you about a faith-based alternative to health insurance that can make healthcare more affordable. Christian Healthcare Ministries. CHM allows members to share each other's healthcare costs, and it's as easy as one, two, three. Step one, choose the healthcare provider you want. Step two, submit your eligible bills. And step three, get reimbursed. CHM members take care of your eligible medical bills. With no network and the freedom to choose your healthcare provider, CHM is the best option for Christians who want to take care of their families and help other believers. Find out more at chministries.org slash budget. That's chministries.org slash budget. George Camel, Ramsey personality, is my co-host. Open phones at 888-825-5225. You jump in. We'll talk about your life and your money. So the uh, feds uh, raised the rate again, another quarter of a point. Um. How many times have they done this now? Well, they're just not smart. You know, because the economy's just booming, so we should definitely do things to screw it up and slow it down. We can't have that. And, of course, they want to get all the pain out of the way before there's a presidential election, so they're getting all this Oof. crap out because people will forget to be mad two years from now. Now's the time. This is the 10th time, it says, yep. that they've raised the uh, rates. And all in a process to slow down inflation that was not caused by an overheated economy it was caused by an underheated supply chain caused by fauci so um so attack the wrong problem you get the wrong solution yeah you just should have fired him long before you he finally got around to quitting and then you had been better off when you have math done by the medical community apparently they're not good at it so this is how what we get into so anyway yeah, yeah. What does so, it mean? Anyway, let, let me try to explain what I'm rambling about and mumbling about here. So the problems with inflation were caused by supply chain disruption. Supply chain disruption is defined as a shortage of goods. The shortage of goods, anytime there's a shortage of anything, it causes the prices to go up. Remember toilet paper? And so uh, there's a rush on it, and the prices go up, and people price gouge and everything else. There's a shortage on oil because you turn the pipeline off because you have an electric Thing going or whatever it is you got going a green thing you got going and you turn the pipeline off and you shut down the supply of gasoline gasoline prices go up so the bumper the little sticker on there that says i did that with biden yes he did uh he did not do the other parts of inflation but they were caused by simply fauci because when you shut down all the factories and they don't produce stuff you create a shortage of stuff and the shortage of stuff causes the prices to go up. Oh, by the way, when you declare an entire segment of the economy as non-essential, you're not essential. Talk about freaking insulting. How would you just like to be called non-essential? How, how do you recover from that psychologically? You're non-essential. I'm essential, but you're not essential. 
that's the ultimate in snobbery. But anyway, we did do that, right? Yes. And uh, so if you're not essential, then you create. And then when you want everybody to come back to work, well, they go, screw you. I'm not essential. I'm not coming back to work. But by the way, you're giving me lots of money to stay at home. So I'm not going to come back to work. Screw you. I'm not going to wait your tables. I'm not going to make your beds at the hotel. And I'm not going to stock your shelves at Target. Oh, well, what if we paid you $20 an hour instead of $10 an hour? Oh, then I would come back. Okay, then you came back at double the rate almost what you were paid pre-COVID. Oh, by the way, that cost of that loaf of bread has in it the labor to put the loaf of bread on the shelf, which is now double because of the shortage created by quarantine. So even labor was supply chain disrupted. All of that created this artificial inflation that would have smoothed out on its own if the freaking Fed had stayed out of it. But instead, they decide they're going to slow the economy down because it's white hot, which it's not. It was just going through a burp rat through a snake trying to get itself straightened out after the quarantine created by Fauci. So now we have a Federal Reserve that is uh, trying to screw in a Phillips head screwdriver with a hammer. And they keep ratcheting they're using this the thing wrong up. tool. So they're, they're trying to ratchet this interest rate up to calm people down. But people don't seem to be stopping their spending either. We're at record high consumer debt across the board. Well, they slowed the real estate market down. Which sure. uh, didn't help a ton, it seems. No, it's still we still have a shortage of housing compared to the supply of buyers. But um, anyway, so bottom line is uh, the Fed is stupid, and they're trying they're trying to In use nineteen seventies and nineteen eighties monetary policy to slow down a different type of inflation that was not created by the interest rate environment, and they use trying to use the interest rate environment. So they're literally using the wrong tool on the economy they really are using a hammer on a screw and it's not it doesn't work so this is what you're dealing with but hey the island of misfit toys continues their parade in washington so you can just count on it <sighs> so we're going to see rates go up on all types of debt this is well the fed rate to be clear is nothing to do directly to the mortgage rate okay mortgage rates created by the bond market so whatever the bond market does is what the mortgage rates are going to do the Fed rate is what banks borrow from other banks for. And so other banks, one bank is now borrowing from another bank if it needs some money at a quarter percent higher. So their cost of money is higher. So anything that bank does is going to be upcharged. They pass so, it down to the consumer. So they're going to jack up your your auto rates, your auto cards. borrowing rates, credit card rates, uh, personal loan rates, student loans. home equity loan rates, anything that, that a bank product that's going into the market. Now, mortgages are not a bank product. Mortgages are a bond market product, so they're not directly tied. Uh, but mortgage rates, the, the bond market has kind of followed along with this particular set of increases. So that's why we have higher mortgage rates while we've had Fed increases. So not to panic, but just more general disgust with the incompetency of what the economic incompetency of what these people call themselves as leaders. And it doesn't matter if you're Republican or Democrat. Stupid is just stupid. There okay? is silver lining, Dave, though. Interest rates for savings accounts also will get a bump, which is good for those saving up for their down payments or their emergency funds. Yeah, so let me ask you this, okay? Not life-changing. 1980, I'm in college. Rates are, uh, mortgage rates were 17%. Wow. 1980, 1981, 17%. Um, and my grandpa, in his uh, at that time in his 70s, uh, was loving it. Because he had CDs and money market accounts down at the old savings and loan that were paying 
Wow. Yeah, the savings account. CD rates, 11%. He was loving it. He thought it was just fancy because he didn't have any debt, and he wasn't going to go get a mortgage. And he was just cashing in on these high interest savings accounts. So, it, But my, my question, George, is, is the trade-off worth it? I mean, would you, do you really want 11% savings rates, and the trade-off is you got an 18% mortgage rate? Mm. No, don't want that. Not good. Not good. Not healthy for anybody. Um, sorry that your savings account sucks at 1% back when we had 3% mortgage rates, but 3%, 4%, 5% mortgage rates were Because a good it hurts thing. the economy more than it helps your bank it's account. It's just stupid on steroids. And the banks are cleaning up. They're cleaning up when this happens. Either way, they're making their money. You, you can count on the banks making their money, and you can count on the politicians drawing their paycheck. Where if we had those people paid based on their effectiveness, they'd all be at the in the bread line. But um. But then who's going to pass that? Because they're not going to do that. Well, they're so not, they can't even pass term limits to send themselves home. When they can't. <laughs> Sonny is with us. Sonny's in St. Louis. Sonny, give us some sunny news. Hey, it's always sunny where I'm at, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, brother. <laughs> yeah, but what, what I'm calling about is uh, me and my wife, when we got married, she had a bunch of savings. I had um, a little bit of debt. And then she had about probably like 72,000 in savings. And we bought some property from her parents that we intend to build on. And she put uh, 25% or 20% down on it. And now she has more in savings. We still have some debt, but I feel like it's unfair for me to ask her to pay on our debt with that money. If a lot of the debt is mine that I brought into our marriage, not that, not that we're not together on it, but you're, you're married, right? Yeah. Yeah. So if she gets cancer, is it unfair like for you to, to take care myself. of her? What's that? I'm sorry. If she gets cancer, is it unfair for you to take care of her? No, of course not. Well, you didn't cause it. Not your fault. Right. I'm trying to use your own logic back on you. Yeah, I got you. No, I, I yeah. yeah. In sickness and in health, for richer, for poorer. And the old Book of Common Prayer continues the vow, and it says, Unto thee all my worldly goods I pledge. This is called oneness. Right. It's called unity. So all guilt is set aside. She got you with a package. You got her with a package. You got yeah. all the crap, and you got all the awesomeness. It's all in one package. <laughs> yes, sir. Would it be fair, though, for me to... It's fair for you to combine all of your income, all of your assets and all of your liabilities, and then begin to work the baby steps together. That's completely fair. You got married, dude. If you're new to all this Ramsey stuff, uh, go to RamseySolutions.com. Click on get started it's a free service that we have it'll start teaching you some of the vernacular some of the words we use around here like baby steps and debt snowballs and all that kind of stuff also it'll kind of teach you where you are you take a little a little assessment we'll show you right where you are and then what your natural next steps are it's completely free we're not trying to trap you into something we're just trying to help you so click get started at ramseysolutions.com yolanda's with us in atlanta hi yolanda how are you I'm good, Dave. How are you? Better than I deserve. What's up? Well, I am calling because um, I have a life estate, or my mom has a life estate, and I am the 
we Manderman is what it's called, I guess, when I looked it up. And the the Remainderman, yes. Yes, the Remainderman. And I got concerned because I've heard you talk many times when people call in about having property um, wheeled or whatever to them prior to the person's death mm-hmm. and the and the tax um, ramifications that that involves. You got it. That's what's going on. So, you're now the owner of the property. Well, my mom is still alive. No, no, no. you're the owner of the okay. property. She has right. rights to stay in the property as long as she's alive. That's a life estate. Okay. But it's already so, dated to you. Can Should I reverse it? Can I reverse it? How long has it been going on? Um, I think it occurred in 20, I want to say 2018. I'm not sure. I think it was. Who did it? That. Um, my mom did it. I know. Is Me it and my w- mom. With an attorney or? Yes, with an attorney. Okay. Um, I would check your tax pro and ask okay. them and check an attorney and see. I don't know, since it's been sitting there so long, if you can reverse that or not. If you did it last month, you could just flip the paperwork back over, and I wouldn't think anything about it. But it's been sitting there for three or four years now, five years now, and I don't know honestly uh and i would make sure i had georgia law which is what's going to apply here because well, i assume that's what where, where's the house florida oh florida law Ooh, mm-hmm. florida's got some wicked weird real estate well also uh, florida texas california in the column of weird li- real estate laws and so uh they're actually weird good most of the time but okay. not always and because it's, it's an income tax free state there's no state income mm-hmm. tax there so uh right. yeah so check out uh yeah, I think I'd talk to a tax pro, talk to an attorney, and if you can undo it, I think if you run the calculation on it, you're going to see that it's going to benefit you to undo it. Because basically, okay. when you sell the house after her death, you're mm-hmm. going to be paying capital gains on everything over what she paid for it. Oh, no. Because the she house paid. was gifted to you, you got her, her basis okay. for tax purposes. Double check my tax advice because I'm not always right, but on this one I'm right. Okay, let me ask you one other question if you have time. Mm-hmm. Should I go back to the attorney who set it up? Would that be best? After you've talked to a tax pro and you're armed with knowledge. Okay. Because otherwise he or she may give you the arrogant attorney answer like, I'm never wrong because I have a law degree, which of course right. we all know is absolute horse crap. <laughs> I agree with you there. Yeah, so. I just, I, Go ahead. Yeah, in other words, you need to go back to this attorney after you talk to the tax pro and go, look, you're going to cost me with this an extra forty, fifty thousand bucks in taxes. What's the property worth, by the way? The property is worth three forty-seven, and when my what? mom bought the house, when my mom and dad had the house built, um, the house was built for forty k. Okay, so you got a three hundred k gain give or take upon her death and um that is a gain you would not have to pay taxes on if she willed it to you now that it's already in your name you're probably going to have to pay if i got my if i got my answer right here uh as a remainder i'm almost positive this is true so three fifteen so fifty thousand dollar swing you're gonna pay you're gonna pay fifty grand in taxes because they screwed uh-huh. this up. So yeah, I'm gonna go talk to my tax pro, verify that Dave is not crazy. 
okay, which is possible, but um, it's possible. I'm crazy. It's also possible I'm wrong, but, you know, this is going downhill fast, George. But Well, it's, it's like going to a whole life salesman going, I want to undo this policy. They're going to try to talk you out of it most likely. So that's well, why I want you know, You go, look, because of this, my basis is going to be this. Right. And I'm going to have to pay taxes of 46000 bucks because you did this. Instead, right. she could have just stayed in her own stinking house and left it to me in the will, and I wouldn't have had to pay these taxes. Because right. you, you get what's called a stepped-up basis upon her death. Your, your basis becomes what the value of the house is at market value at the time of, the house, at time of death. So if she dies and the house is worth three sixty, you sell it for three sixty. you have zero gain. You put 100% of those dollars in your pocket. The way it is now, you're going to pay taxes on everything over what she paid for it or about $300,000 gain. So it's just a, it's just dumb butt. Yeah, but um, double check all of that. And if it's true, then talk to this attorney about undoing it. He or she doesn't want to undo it. I'm talking to another attorney about undoing it. If I can pull that off five years into this deal in Georgia, I don't know if you can or not. You may be stuck. I hope I'm not in uh, Florida. It's not the end of the world. It's not the end of the world. Uh, Florida, I keep saying Georgia. But, yeah, you're in Georgia. She's in Florida. <laughs> yeah, I'm in Georgia. Yeah, she's yeah, in Florida. I'll get my story straight eventually. Here. So a lot of people do life estates because they're trying to avoid probate. Is that the main reason? Yes, or they just don't know the basics, this basic tax thing we're talking about here. And it's a very basic. It's not a if – it's, if it's more than basic about taxes, I don't know it. Because I don't know anything about taxes. I, there's about four or five tax things I know. This just falls in the heading. And one of them I know. Uh, and it's because I've run into it on different things lots of times over the years. But, yeah, and it's just kind of, it's like, um, I call it street law, where someone says, yeah, we're just going to give Bubba the house while I'm still alive. That way, sister won't get it. You know, that kind of crap. And this is the, that's just street law and it's street law, meaning you think you can just do whatever the flip you want. And there's no tax implications mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. You can give Bubba the house, but there's gift tax implications and, or capital gains implications when you give Bubba the house or uh, in this case, not Bubba, but Yolanda, but yeah, but I mean, it's, uh, and Less sometimes, sometimes people do that to keep, it's not as much an estate planning thing. It's they somehow get in their head that the government's going to get more. Oh, if they let it happen through a will and the government gets less if you let it happen through a will even if it's a probate even if it's a state where the probate tax is a little high yeah probate still, is still cheaper than, than that tax implication yes yeah, less than capital gains tax but there's not a, i don't think there's a state that has a higher probate than capital gains mm. so it's more about control and lack of legal and tax knowledge uh usually than it is some kind of sophisticated argument that um that you're there, but you can, I mean, you can use a life estate if you want to, it's okay. Especially if you're not planning on selling the property. Like if it's a family farm and you were going to just pass it down a hundred percent, it's going to be generational. We're just not going to be selling it. Then sure. You know, that's fine. You go ahead and do a life estate and the next generation keeps farming it. And the, the old people get to stay in the farmhouse, you know, and for life estate, that kind of stuff. That's lots of people do that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Uh, but, but, Again, it, it, in Yolanda's case, it's handcuffed her big time as to what she can do with this property someday when, God forbid, her mother passes, but we're all going to pass. So. Mm. Was there a right way to do it? Would you say, hey, if you want to do it, do a trust if you want to avoid probate. Is there a better scenario for that? I, I really, I would not make avoiding probate my primary goal in life. 
because uh, all probate is is the court system that executes the will. And so if you leave a will, the will is probated, meaning that the probate court enforces the will. That's all it means. Now, some tax, some states have higher taxes on the size of the estate. And if you can avoid probate with a trust or with some other mechanisms, you're moving it outside of that probate tax. But in an effort to save a 3% tax on probate, you, pay a whole lot more. you oftentimes can step over into a neck deep into the boiling grease. Mm. You know, I mean, it's bad. So you get just completely fried here. This is The Ramsey Show. Financial Peace University will teach you not only how to get out of debt, not only how to live on a budget, not only how on how to agree with your spouse about money, not only how to make it as a single person with money, not only how to invest and become wealthy, but how to be outrageously generous. We've got all of that in there. It's a big deal. You're going to learn how to handle your money straight up from our experts. We've got a community of thousands of people taking the class with you and encouraging you. And uh, guess what? The personalities, the Ramsey personalities are doing Financial Peace University classes. George, have a bunch of people signed up for yours? Oh, yeah. Mine starts June 20th, so I'm later on in the summer. Uh, Jade's and Rachel starts tonight, so that one's already booked up and ready to go. And we got Ken Coleman, Dr. John Deloney, so... Join Eddie, Eddie of Cullen. Eddie's, yeah. Eddie uh, Cullen, our host, is going to be leading one as well. So pick your poison. And a lot of people are doing it based off of times and dates. So mine's June 20th, uh, 1230 Eastern Time, 1130 Central Time on Tuesdays and Thursdays. We have Jade, some of the evenings. Jade's is at night. Rachel's in, is at lunch, I think. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, you can go to the page, uh, fpu.com. Just go fpu.com, just like that. And or just go to RamseySolutions.com and click on FPU. You'll find it. But the ram, the personalities are doing classes, and uh, you can get signed up, and they will be your coordinators. Now the classes are still taught by the same videos that have George and Rachel, Doctor John Deloney, doesn't change. me. The content's the same, but the coordinator of the class, you're going to have a Ramsey personality as your coordinator. Tony is in Austin, Texas. Hi, Tony. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hi, Dave and George. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. What's up? So wanted to get your opinion. I have a little bit of a unique situation compared to most of your callers. I'm 27 years old. I've been really fortunate with the job I have now. I've been able to build up a pretty big nest egg, about 420000 in cash. Good for you. And thank you. And I was really wanting to get both of your opinions on how I plan to diversify it. Awesome. How'd you so, do it, by the way? I work in medical sales. One thing I've always done really well is being able to save money, but I also have analysis paralysis, and I've been standing in my own way when it comes to investing and multiplying that money. Okay. So it's just sitting in a, in a savings account right now? It is. About 100 of it is in a high-yield savings account, and then the other 320 is just in a conventional bank, which, of course, losing me money. And are you wanting to go one particular way? Because we generally recommend so, mutual funds and real estate as a general mm-hmm. investment recommendation. So, and that's <clears throat> part of what I was wanting to get this feedback on. What I plan to do is I want to keep 50 in a high yield savings. I'm wanting to put 200 into mutual funds and then the remaining 170 looking to both pay off my remaining student loan balance and then also put towards a real estate down payment. 
So you don't currently have a home. You're renting. And how much consumer debt do you have? I only have about 25 in student loans. So the student loans can get paid three weeks ago. Right. Like before nightfall, dude. Today. Pay off your student loans. You hear me? Mm-hmm. You going to do that? Yep. And truthfully, I would rather just pay cash for a home versus get fancy with investing right now. Yep. Yep. What price range home are you thinking about buying? So, of course, I don't want to open leverage. I ideally want to stay under 400 k Okay. Yeah. You've got the money. Yeah. Just pay cash for a home. That's your next step. And then save towards, uh, start saving towards investing at that point. And uh, no, I would not put 50K. Do you have any an emergency fund in addition to this, or is this your total cash position? Total cash, and that's, of course, not including the 401K that I keep separate. Right, right. Okay. So what is your income? Uh, last year, it was just under 450K. Good for you. Fantastic. Man, you are slaying it. Okay, here's what I would do if I woke up in your shoes at 27 years old. You've done very well. You're a natural saver, and you have a fabulously large income. So, as you said, you've been very blessed. Uh, but you've also made a lot of good choices, and you're a hardworking guy, and you didn't exactly quiet quit your way into 450K. You've been kicking butt and taking names. Way to go. I like you a lot. Okay? So, if I woke up in your shoes, I would follow the baby steps because I am positive after doing this for 30 years that they are the shortest possible route between where you are and substantial wealth. The shortest, fastest, safest route. So, first thing is debt-free. So write a check today. Now we got 395000 left after being, paying off the student loan. Did I do my math correctly? You did, yep. The next step is baby step three. Three to six months of household expenses as an emergency fund. We can call that what we want to call it. You decide what that number is. For our purposes, let's see, 395, let's call it 45. That leaves us 350000 if we put 45 into an emergency fund. That is not to be touched for anything but emergencies, by the way. That's a separate savings account not to be touched for any reason unless a dire emergency happens. And when you're making 450 k there's not many dire emergencies you can't cash flow. Okay? So this is really, 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 really the backstop. So then we move on to baby step four. You start saving 15% of your income into 401ks and Roth IRAs. That's going to be a bit of a challenge, but you'll have to get to doing it, making your 450. Beyond that... I'm going to pay cash for my home. I think I got, if I did my math right, 350000 left to pay cash for a home. And I would buy a home for cash for that much or less. Now, here's where we're sitting at this point. We have a fully funded emergency fund. We have zero debt, including a paid-for house. And you're freaking 27 years old. Now, from there on, 450. Now you're in a, in a heartbeat. You're going to have another three hundred grand laying around, right? Yes, sir. Like a year? I mean, really, mm-hmm. how much can you spend? Seriously. So, and you're not a spender anyway. So you, when the, the next time you come to me with this question with a paid for house and no student loans and a fully funded emergency fund, George would tell you, okay, mutual funds are fine or paid for real estate is fine. Taking out a mortgage for real estate investing, I would not do, but I would buy some cash real estate with this future cash after we've executed this plan or, uh, and, or I would do mutual funds. Tony, I personally have done both, and I'm the 62-year-old version of you, and I now own millions of dollars of both, real estate and mutual funds. 
tens of millions of dollars of both real estate and mutual funds. And so that's where you're headed. You're going to, if you continue somewhat on this track, you're going to have a net worth in excess of a hundred million dollars. I believe it. And you don't have to do real estate. He's 27. Yeah. And if you follow social media, they'll tell you, you got to get into real estate. If you're not comfortable with real estate right now, go slow. You can just do mutual funds. There's no rule that says, but I want you to have a paid for primary residence. Regardless. Don't buy real estate. If you don't, um, enjoy people and drama. Dave enjoys both, clearly. I do. I mean, I, I conflict is like fun for hillbillies, so I like it, you know. But it's just drama, and there's going to be some drama. So if you don't want any drama in your life, don't buy real estate. Because it, it's even even commercial real estate. You know, you get the small business. You, you know, they, they can't go to work because Fauci said there's a quarantine or something. You know, I mean, stuff like that happens, right? So you got all kinds of problems. It's going to be there. And with mutual funds, you just open the email and it tells you how much is in there. No drama. Doesn't make you as much money, but no drama. Yeah, so but you, you can do either upside. or both is what we suggest. And both will appreciate over the long term. Exactly. History has shown us that. Exactly. So you can become a multimillionaire either way. Good mutual funds should be a 10 to a 12% rate of return. The stock market has averaged 11.2 since inception. Real estate all in with uh, value increases cash flow, tax write-offs, everything included. It's called an internal rate of return there. should be north of 17% if you got a decent piece of real estate. That's if you do it right. And, but it's got a hassle factor that the mutual funds doesn't have. It's got the drama and the people factor. And so some of both or both is fine. Anything in there is all right. So that, that's the plan. Good question, man. Good question. Congratulations. What a stud. That's impressive. Those, he, are, the kind, those are the right questions to be asking. Man. 27 making 450. I mean – What's he going to, he's going to be a millionaire at 28 or 29. Yeah. 28 or 29. Ought to be making that much. If he follows our suggestion, if he screws around, goes in debt on that house to buy a house and then messes around with all this other stuff, keeps the student loan around like it's a pet, you know, you're going to have a problem, but dude, Get rid of just it, follow this system, man. It's really That's works. chump change in your world. It really works. Why are you sitting on this student loan? What is it, a pet? Sally Mae's an ugly woman. Get her out of your house. This is The Ramsey Show. Hey, George Camel here. If you love the show and you want a deeper dive on your money journey, we've got a weekly newsletter that gives you helpful articles and tips on following the Ramsey way. Just go to RamseySolutions.com today to sign up for the newsletter. Again, that's RamseySolutions.com to sign up for our weekly newsletter.